0: Welcome to Entrepreneurs of Reinvention, hosted by Vidette Global Media. 100 days of support, of hope, and encouraging stories from entrepreneurs who had to reinvent themselves, pivot, and create in a time, in a challenging time like like 2020. We hope you enjoy these stories. Follow them and more on our Facebook group, Media Mastery. Find us on Facebook. Thanks for hanging out with us. I'm Angel Tussie. I am your host. Welcome to Entrepreneurs of Reinvention. Welcome back to Entrepreneurs of Reinvention. I'm Angel Tussie. I am your host. Super excited to bring you 100 stories of support, encouragement and hope, and really excited to bring you our guest today, Kevin Homer. Kevin, how are you doing?
1: I'm doing great, how are you doing?
0: I am doing well, I'm doing well. Well, Kevin and I have shared Uh, Being on the same board for, I think, six years, maybe a little bit longer, uh, (laughs) currently Kevin is the chairman for Bridge of Hope Greater Denver, where we help single moms take their families and put them into permanent homes. And I've been truly honored to be a part of that. But Kevin is a serial entrepreneur. Tech startups are his sweet spot and his specialty. And when we launched the Bridge of Hope Um, group in Denver, Colorado, of course, it was just like starting up or or creating a startup there in Denver. So Kevin is no stranger to starting up, reinventing, and so I'm super excited to have him with us. Kevin, what have you been up to for, kind of give us some background, I guess, on who Kevin Homer is, the fabulous Kevin Homer, (laughs) how you became so wonderful at startups, right?
1: It all started in a small town outside of Philadelphia. (laughs) I guess I don't need to go that far back. Um, you know, uh, I, I, it's funny, you have to get to the age that we are before you really can look back and and, and see the road that you traveled to get there. Um, and I never would have pictured uh, where I am today when I was younger. Um, and I think like, like most people, you poke around at a few jobs um, and kind of start to figure out what you like and what you don't like and, uh, and so forth. And um, Technology is where I ended up, but it's definitely not where I started uh, because I'm on the business side of things and have trouble plugging my computer in from a technology perspective. So um, I can tell people all the things that they need to do, uh, but in terms of how the nuts and bolts and things like that work, um, that's definitely uh, not my thing. So ever since I was really young, um, I was uh, entrepreneurial, but again, I didn't realize that uh, until I was older. So whether it was having a paper route or going around the neighborhood and shoveling snow, uh, when it needed to happen, um, you know, those, uh, that's how it all started. But, um, I just found myself working for smaller organizations as I grew and really wanting to be, you know, just someone that had a a major say in what happened even at very early in my career. So I obviously wasn't running the show at that stage, but, um, just being able to be a, an important part of a team versus someone who was just a, a gopher, you know what I mean? Like, you know, going to just help everybody else. I wanted jobs that were over my head. So um, I think that that's really where it all started. And then when I um, lived in New York City for three years after after college, I stumbled onto uh, my first dot-com job. Uh, so just to make sure everyone knows how old I am, I was alive during the dot-com explosion. Um, I latched on to an internet startup uh, up in Stanford, Connecticut, which was north of, uh, north of Manhattan, and used to do the reverse commute. And um, that was really the start of it all. So once I got involved with that, the tech boom was just ridiculous. Uh, second coming of the telephone, and um, it was just uh, like shooting fish at a barrel from a sales perspective. Um, so that really launched the tech side of the career. And then once I had experience doing that, I was able to parlay into, uh, into different jobs and keep that career going
0: well you're one of the success stories for sure there wasn't you know there were a lot on the other side as well but kevin you have been i think you've been so instrumental in especially helping us grow bridge of hope in denver and then even of the other companies the startups that you've been involved with how many how many companies including bridge of hope would you say that you have started helped start and get off the ground
1: well that's what i'm saying that's it comes back to the age thing where it's it's you start to make me feel old when you say that because as I count them up, I'm, I'm up at about seven, uh, at this point. If you count uh, Count Bridge of Hope, so um, like most people at you know at this stage of their life, there's been uh, some organizations that I've been with for a long time, a couple that weren't that long, but really not that many. i when I start something, I really like to to see it through and uh, make sure it's at the very least still rolling by the time I uh, by the time I leave. So unless there's some kind of a problem that I had with a you know, management member along the way, um, I really left for the most part on my own terms, stayed four or five years at those companies and, um, and uh, then moved on to my next opportunity.
0: You know, I had, um, I remember in my, you know, when I was doing Experience Pros, I remember saying, I'll never do another startup again, right? I'd like, that's just, it takes too much to get it up and running, um, but then you do, you find yourself trying something new and starting something new. What do you look for, Kevin? In something in a new business that you want to help get up and off the ground, is are there parameters? Are there is there writing on the wall that you're like, yeah, I want to be a part of that?
1: Well, it's really funny uh, you say that because being an entrepreneur, it's uh, I related to. I've heard people say that we're in the army, mm-hmm. uh, that it was terrible when they were in the army, but then you get out and you miss the suck. <laughs> um, I don't know if you ever heard that before. I think it's very it's very similar to the business and doing this. It's kind of you either have it or you don't. Mm-hmm. And it's just, it's right or wrong. It's who I am. And I love the treadmill. Um, and I love the challenge. Um, and when you're starting up a new company, it's it's kind of like, I often related to, uh, you know, I call myself Frodo, uh, where I'm trying to take the ring against the impossible odds to get to this mountain and these you know, demons and big companies, especially in, tech, in in the tech startup world. I mean, I'm going up against McAfee and Symantec and, you know, all these organizations with thousands and thousands of employees. And it's just like one of those things where you just look at that and it's like, it's such a challenge to try and beat an organization that size and get someone to trust you instead of trusting them. So um, what I look for, I would just say is, is just kind of um, opportunity along with timing. Mm-hmm. So when you're talking about my tech world, it's the product, it's what exists, um, and whether you fill in a, a niche that is not fulfilled yet. So the bigger organizations I've learned, the further I've gone through in my career, that the, the, the McAfee's and the Semantex, they're not building as much as they're buying. Mm-hmm. So if you've got an idea and you are bringing something to market that no one's done before, or you're doing it better than anyone's done before, if you can build that and then have some success taking it to market and show market adoption well that's where you get you know you can get acquired and for anyone that doesn't realize this i would rather get acquired every day of the week over going ipo being public is not a fun place to be so acquisition they acquire you they acquire the company and you can decide what you're going to do from there whether you accept a position with the acquiring company cut bait and look for another new startup or want to start your own thing or whatever it is you want to do. um, Then basically, you know, you, you have those options at your disposal.
0: You know, and there are, I thought, the larger companies, they are not creating, they are not innovative. They are too big to be this nimble. And so the, they are looking for companies to buy, to acquire, and to create something from scratch as a small startup, you could grab the attention of a large company pretty pretty easily if you've got that unique space, maybe the, the market that they're going after, a unique market that, that you're building up. And if you think about some of the things that you've started, Kevin, <laughs> like what are you, what are like, like a favorite story or something you're like so proud that you've created?
1: Oh, so I would have to say. So I'm, I'm kind of racking my brain here because there's, you know, there's a handful of things um, that I that I've done um, on the business side of things. So I'll give you two if we have time. I'll give you one on the business side and then one on the Bridge of Hope side.
0: Okay.
1: Okay. So on the business side, um, I I worked for a company here in Boulder, Colorado, uh, called Logarithm, and I was the 20th employee at Logarithm, and. Um, You know, I pride myself on being a utility player. So I've done, I've run the gamut in the business side of my career, whether it was inside sales, running a specific territory, um, running a channel program or managing partners on the biz dev side, managing a team that had a larger region, or I'm in a VP role of sales now at Cocoon Data. And when I was at Logarithm, I held a handful of roles. So I started out... Uh, managing a team there. And I managed the Western half of North America at about seven people on my team. And we didn't have a channel program then. And in my previous life, I had run channels for a company called Vericept. And you're responsible for hitting a number any way you can get there when you're in a tech company and you're on the sales side, right? So I basically told my team, I didn't care that we didn't have a formal channel program. They just needed to bring numbers, you know, it's one way or another. And a lot of them weren't working with partners that had relationships with the companies that were based in the local markets. So I encourage them to all go out to their major, we call them the NFL cities, right? Wherever you can find a football team, there's a heck of a lot of businesses there too. Um, so whether you're in Phoenix, Arizona, and you're gonna go out and find a partner that works just in Phoenix. So they may know all the companies in Phoenix that they have relationships with. you can cold call all day, but if you're gonna work with those with a partner there that already has relationships. If you walk in next to that person, that person gives you credibility right out of the gate. So having a revenue share model with them and giving them some margin on sales is really no different than the guy who makes the milk, selling the the milk at a discount to the supermarket, which marks it up and then makes a profit up of, you know, selling that to the market. So I encourage them to do that. And, um, They had so much success in the region that the company came to me and asked me if I wanted to roll the channel program out for uh, North America and Latin America. Um, So I stood the channel up there. And in the process, I started a a, um, MSSP program, which is basically organizations were buying our products and a, a block of four resale licenses. So they were packaging that in with their services they got better margins on that and, and so forth and rolled it out but we got a lot of money up front from them in return for those big discounts so um, that program really launched our organization and the top reseller in the country uh, we became a top 15 um, tech company on their uh, on their their screen so I knew you were a rock star) <laughs> So that was that one on that side. And then, you know, it's going to be, I think this story will be a good segue for the whole COVID thing and and really stick-to-itiveness and stuff like that on the Bridge of Hope side is, as you know, when when COVID hit um, this past year, everyone got thrown for a loop um, and it really affected everyone differently. Some people had, you know, obviously health concerns or had family or friends that had major health concerns. Others had businesses, you know, I feel really badly for the retail market that was impacted so adversely, if you were in that kind of a business um, and you just didn't know, anytime you would start to talk to someone about it, you really didn't know how it was going to affect them or how it had already affected them. So it was no different for us at Bridge of Hope. So we came in with our revenue projections. Uh, we've been growing steadily for you know, six years in a row. And then we had our budget projected on what we were, we were gonna bring in from a fundraising perspective for this past year and had to kind of take a pause and look at things and you know, do we need to revise our budget and, and so forth. And a lot of people were worried. You know, our, our model is very high touch in terms of working with the moms. Um, so we were used to going out having face-to-face meetings with them. So now all of a sudden you can't meet face-to-face with the family. So how are we gonna be able to work with them and mentor them and bring them along through the process? What's the fundraising gonna be like? Is giving gonna drop off dramatically because people were adversely affected you know, financially? And you probably remember the board meeting where we had these conversations because I remember you smiling and nodding your head and me loving having you on the board as we just encouraged everybody on the board that we're gonna figure out how to get through this thing. And this is not going to stop us. Uh, we are going to have to make a lot of changes um, and continually, continually look at what to do, uh, but we made several pivots here to the model. The, the case managers began doing Zoom meetings with their mom instead of face-to-face. Our gala, instead of being face-to-face, became virtual. That's a huge fundraiser for us every year. We were very concerned about the, you know, the drop in that. Um, and I think at the end of the day, the thing that I, I really took as a lesson from that that came out of it is, when things like this happen with COVID, it's really tough and it's hard. And you can be sad and frustrated and things like that, but you can do that for a minute. And then it's time to lament, go talk to someone, vent, unpack your backpack, all that kind of stuff. And then it's time to be like, okay, let me, let's me let look at the, the hand we're dealt. Um, wh- what kind of cards are we working with? Because uh, you got to play the hand that you have. And if that's the hand that you have, you have to figure out what you can do with the hand that you have to move forward. Because if you just stay there and keep talking about how badly, bad everything's going, you really, you're, you're not going anywhere. You're just mired in, in your own situation. So you got to pivot, you got to adjust and you got to move forward.
0: I remember that meeting and yeah, it, we were, they had, because we were so hands-on and, and connecting with the moms and the fundraising, all of that for, for most businesses, right now, what do we do? But our team was able to shift and pivot very quickly and adapt to the new. And we almost, you know, there were, there were silver linings, definitely silver linings along the way that allowed for, you know, now we weren't spending time in the car in traffic in travel time. And, you know, the, the moms didn't have to get a babysitter, right, they could still be present with their kids. There was, with all the down, there was, there was definitely an upside and, and Kevin, you being the chairman for so many years and leading the charge on that, You, your business acumen and treating Bridge of Hope, um, not only as a nonprofit, but how do we run it successfully from a business side has been instrumental in helping us to get to where we, to where we are today. So you coming on. On as entrepreneurs of reinvention, being a serial entrepreneur, I love you're just you're just an ideal an ideal guest to share. But I want you to talk about like what are you most excited on about what's coming down the pike and in the future for Kevin Homer.
1: <laughs> well, you're picking a day where I'm going to go back to my day job then because we've had a, a pretty un, unreal day here. So we've got a a data security product. Uh, this company Cocoon Data that I work for called SafeShare, and there is. Um, There's a lot of um, regulations out there that we address, but there's one that's coming out from the federal government called CMMC and CMMC basically is if you want to do business with the defense industrial base. uh, You have to go through a certification process to be assessed by a third party vendor that will attest to what level of certification you've reached on the maturity scale. Um, So there are 171 practices of um, CMMC, and our product satisfies 38 of the 171, so approaching 20% um, of the whole enchilada, our product can, can satisfy. So in terms of the partnership model I talked about before, we're out there looking for partners and just met with some folks from the Department of Defense today and they're blown away by what our product can do. It's really, really cool uh, in terms of safely sharing information, setting up kind of permissions based on unique users. Uh, we've got something called geo where you can wrap a virtual fence around an area so that if you wanna send someone information, they have to be within that area in order for the mm-hmm. decryption keys to work. I mean, it's really next level stuff that really fits well with the uh, with the military and the government. So we are super excited about that and I'm, uh, a part business owner in the company. I'm not just an employee here. So I have a, a stake in the organization and hopefully we can make this thing fly and have a bunch of fun. I love it.
0: I love it. How do you want people to follow up with you or connect with you, Kevin?
1: Uh, if anybody would want to talk, I love talking about business and brainstorming ideas and encouraging people to do stuff because the old thing about fake it till you make it, that's a real thing i was joking around. I was telling people I had this interview and I'm like, for some reason, people think to, I know what I'm doing because I <laughs> I just out there and I just try to do some stuff and some things work and some things don't. So I love talking with people about that stuff. Uh, my personal email address is Kevin, middle initial J Homer, H-O-M-E-R at gmail.com. It's probably the best way to reach me. You can obviously find me on LinkedIn uh, if you search for Kevin Homer as well. So uh, I love what you're doing, Angel. And I really appreciate the fact that you bring the community together like this. There's lots of good ideas to share and hopefully this will help somebody out there that sees this. We can give them an idea or two.
0: Oh, absolutely. You were dropping all sorts of great little nuggets. We'll be including in the the book, but I love this one. Some things work and some things don't, but you won't know until you start, right? Like it just, you've got to go out there and put yourself out there and, and try new things and not be afraid of it. And Kevin, you're just, you are, you're an absolute leader in the entrepreneurial space. And the more often, like not everything we touch turns to gold, but you increase your odds the more often you you try.
1: The beauty about being an entrepreneur, if you're not working for Microsoft, is Microsoft can't change what they're doing quickly. If you're entrepreneurs in your audience, they're small companies that just have probably a handful of employees. If you try something that doesn't work, oh, well, I guess we'll just scrap that and try something else, you know, so. I'm absolutely all for that.
0: I love it. Well, I appreciate you. Thank you so much for being my guest today. Anything else you wanna make sure that you share before we say goodbye?
1: Nope, that's it. We miss you here in Colorado. Come back and visit.
0: I would love to, when it's warmer, when it's warmer. (laughs) Well, this is Entrepreneurs of Reinvention, 100 Stories of Support, Encouragement, and, and Hope. And this has been Kevin Homer. Make sure you follow him, stay connected. Check out Bridge of Hope Greater Denver online. And we will see you next time. Thanks. Thanks, Angel. Thank you so much for listening to Entrepreneurs of Reinvention, 100 Days of Support, Hope, and Encouragement. Again, follow us on our Facebook group, Media Mastery, and download your complimentary starter kit if you're looking for media exposure by going to my website, MakeYourBigImpact.com. That's MakeYourBigImpact.com. We'll see you next time.